is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. A beautiful French-Canadian human being. So I am so excited to get to introduce our guest tonight. Hello, everyone. That was a really strange introduction, but we might as well throw a weird one in there every now and then. I'm Chris, if you haven't tuned in before, and I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Hello. But our special guest this evening is none other than Morgan Lacroix. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you for being here. How are you doing? Uh, great. It's my absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. This is exciting. We normally would be hanging out together this week, usually, yep. if it's possible for us to be at BHS International together. And this is now the second wah, wah, yeah. year in a row, but we are all safe and we are healthy and we are here and we are starting to get singing again. So if you haven't put it together yet, Morgan is a part of the barbershop community, as am I. But Morgan extends outside of barbershop. She takes her acapella a little bit farther out, maybe not too far. But um, That's okay. There's plenty within the boundaries yeah. of barbershop. Up, I think. <laughs> I think we're learning that, especially on this podcast. The more we talk, the more we realize that there really is enough harmony oh. for everyone in yeah. all the genres. So totally. come on over. The water is fine. So, Morgan, welcome to Vocal Perspective. We always like to start with asking people what drew you to this fine hobby, weird niche community in the first place. Well, it's not super surprising, but that would have to be my family. My mother joined four months before I did, and she really wanted to have me come in and have me experience the family that she had grown to, to love in the chorus. And she brought me in and it's basically been 27 years. I was going to say the ripe old age of what, Morgan? What? How old were you when that happened? I, I had just turned 13. Yeah. So when your mom comes to you, your 13-year-old self, yep. and says, hey, I get together with all these ladies once a week. They're my age. Want to come hang out with us and sing? Tell us how'd that go. I'm, I'm really curious. Okay. Well, first off, let me just lay down the groundwork here. We're talking a 13-year-old super nerd with braces. I was just the- My people. Right? I was the popular kid. But I have to say, coming into a chorus of women, they- my goodness, because I was one of the youngest members at the time. And they just boosted me up so much. Like it, it was almost like a drug. It was really addicting. They were fantastic. The director at the time, Linda Janes, she really- Oh my heart. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, Steve Janes, her ex-husband at the time, he was the frontline director, but she was really the heart of that. And she just kind of took me under her wing and just made a big deal out of me. And so did the rest of the chorus. And honestly, it felt like I had a whole bunch of grandmothers and, and second moms. I was going to say, I know from my own experience, it's in some ways a little bit of a blessing for your parents because they can be like- if you can't listen to me, at least you'll listen to maybe one. One of your barbershop aunties. And it's a family you choose. So you pick these people to influence your children. And you're like, okay, maybe they'll cover some. And my mother, actually, she joined because a family friend of ours. Here in Montreal, when I was growing up, we didn't have a lot of extended family. Most of our families in another province in Ontario. So I grew up with a family on the same street as my parents and I. And they were a part of the course as well. That's Stacey 
Hugman Fournette and her sister, Lord. I didn't know this story. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've grown up with them, like Stacy's family. I've sung with her for so many years, but I mean, she watched me grow up. We we would spend Christmases together. And actually- If you told me that Stacy was your mom, I might believe you. (laughs) I might have believed you. I could have been convinced that she was your sister, at least for the longest time. Uh, And a lot of people have said that. And Stacy's like, yes, yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, I know some chorus directors would be a little bit nervous about having a 13 year old come in, but that's one of the things I love about Harmony Inc. is like, yes, bring them in. It turned out all right. I mean, didn't you win your first crown in like 2001? Am I remembering that correctly? 2000, 2019. <laughs> yeah, it was. So it's not uh, like you were bringing the, the chorus down club, or anything. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few of us. It's like a magic age or something. I don't yeah. know. Our voices are like pristine and like pingy. Yeah. I think it just oh. means thin and young. Yep. She doesn't squeak. Sign her up. <laughs> Score, you're in. You can totally yeah. be a tenor. She yep. can't have like a real job yet. So like the nine to five thing is probably not going to get in our way. No, exactly. <laughs> so you've had a pretty impressive career and I'd like to make sure we talk about that a little bit. And again, very few guests don't ask why I have a crown sitting behind me. Morgan has two, sh- three, two. two. <laughs> yes, I always think she's she's going for three. She's going to keep, oh, she'll have plenty. Uh, but she has two and I think her first one at the ripe old age of 19, that was blue champagne. Am I right? No, no. that was after hours. That was after hours. Do I get you in blue champagne and it's not so it's not well the thing is the bass and baritone are the same bass and baritone for both quartets so Lindsay and stacy were in blue champagne and also in after hours right, this so is why i have so much trouble keep i'm like i know all the names of the quartets but i'm like wait are you in that one or that one and i've <laughs> no. done with blue champagne many times so i understand yeah, yeah. it's a family anyway so after hours the original after hours thank you very much the original champion after hours the female champion after hours we go a little back because when After Hours won, it wasn't very long until Hot Topic, my quartet, won as well. We have very similar crowns as well. It's a matter of two little dots. So in my heart, I feel honored because that means that Barbara Ann thought of you guys when she designed our crowns, and I was a huge fan. The energy that you bring to the stage in all of your groups, and something that I'd love to touch on with you is from a very beginning, and this is we're talking about in the 2000s when Barbershop was a little, those of you on the podcast can't see me, but we're sticking our arms straight out, and it's very like, da-da, you know, yep. not quite straw hats. We'd moved past that, but it was a lot of sequence. Oh, for sure. And a lot of matchy-matchy and a lot of matchy-matchy in terms of vowels and singing. I mean, contemporary yep. acapella, we had that going on as well. What set your quartets apart was the idea of the performance. And I'd love to know where have you seen barbershop performance come from and, and where it is now? And how have you managed to maintain its relevancy so long? Because you have kind of kept it really relevant very early. I hope you know that. And I just would love to hear your approach to performance in barbershop because you started it pretty young. First off, I'm completely floored that you think that of me. Wow. That's very, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So I have to say that going back, because I started in 94, right? So 94 up until like 2005, like you're going like a full span of 10 years there. I was that member that went on the performed, brought everything forward. Down the tiles, for those of you who know, like yes. the press. Down, what do we call yeah. that in acapella, Amanda, where it's the locked knees are kind of like Superman pose. Yeah. Oh, Superman. Yeah. Superman. That's that basic stance of Yes, I'm ready to sing and I'm going to show you with my body. And that was awarded for many years until all of a sudden it wasn't. It's kind of like baseball. It's like until substances weren't allowed, we 
we could use them. And now it's like, no, don't stand like that. Well, I mean, I think as the evolution of it, that everything happened and everything goes, you got tired of looking at that, right? And I know with After Hours, my first Queen's Quartet, we wanted to do something different all the time. Like we didn't want to be the cookie cutter, you know, your classic barbershop quartet. And I honestly, our main coach, Mike Gabriella, he had a lot to do with that. He really did help us stay true to ourselves. And I also have to give big props to Maria Gabriella because she has this power and this emotion inside that you cannot manufacture. She expresses herself and she is completely authentic. She cannot fake anything. And it's yeah, the word I was going to say was unapologetic, but I think authentic is as well. But like you could say to Maria, she'd be like, well, what did you think? And you could tell her what you think. And she'd go, thank you. But actually, yeah, that's right. Because she came in with such an idea and such a plan, but it was never contrived. Like, I don't know how she did that. I didn't, I never understood how she had, she'd deliver it almost the same way every time, but the emotion. Emotion was always raw and fresh and new every single time. But that also gave the rest of the quartet this super platform to kind of just be like, oh, we're going there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And that was really exciting to explore. And it was also very fun to be in a group where it was okay for the tenor to be loud. That's what I was going to say. You sing all the parts. I think you've competed at least on three. Have you competed on four? Not yet. I, okay. I, I still maintain when I grow up, I will be a bass. Okay, that's right. So we don't have, we're not have a lady we bass We all want to be time. basses when we, we grow up. We all want to be lady basses. We just interviewed Wendy Bilker and we've had some acapella lady basses and I'm moving into the acapella lady bass world. Yes, so we've had tenor, baritone for you as well as lead. And even in the same quartet, which is something that I've loved. You and your quartet do something that Amanda and I talk about all the time. Stop singing songs just because that's the part you chose when you got in the quartet. Sing the part that's best for the song as the way the song is written. So if I can't sing the lead on it and I'm supposed to be lead, but Amanda can sing that and sell it like then Amanda sing lead. That's right. And that is what contemporary acapella does a lot from my perspective. Right. I think we're going to see more of it in barbershop because we're, I mean, we're seeing it in some of the top quartets across all of the organizations where like those top quartets are like, wait, wait a minute, we're going to let you hear this person over here. But I want to go back to something you said is like back when the tenors were allowed to be loud. Oh yes, please. And this is always, you know, I have, I have a lot of thoughts on barbershop arrangements coming from contemporary acapella and just how high we make our tenors go and how low we make our basses go sometimes. And it's celebrated when we like stretch out the ranges of the quartet like super far and sometimes it was it's unnecessary yeah it's too far so what do you think changed about that why are the tenors all of a sudden background well one i mean if we're talking about sound phonics and sound physics of sound you're going to hear the highest frequency naturally right so if the melody is in the middle voice then that higher frequency has to balance a little bit less so that's not the the first thing you hear because we don't hear the lower frequencies we want to hear more bass and more baritone depending on the chord or whatever but what i was saying is that i loved singing with after hours so much is because Lindsay, oh my gosh this is why most powerhouse bass i have ever sung with she just had no she's incredible yeah Yeah, and to amanda's point Lindsay never sang outside of her range oh Lindsay yeah. didn't allow herself to sing anything that didn't keep her in that. Your rangers stop writing stuff outside yeah. of normal ranges. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's where this education needs to come from. Is this, And I think more people need to speak up or more quartets just need to be like Lindsay and After Hours and say, well... 
that's too low. So we need to sing it here, um, which then we opens up. Them. Yeah, which then opens up the top range for the women. And frankly, the, the voices up there who are like, well, you know, I could like I could like sing that seventh up there. Like, well, I think the biggest thing is that back in the 90s and early 2000s, a lot of women's quartets were singing men's arrangements transposed. And that's a Truth. big issue. That's a big. Yes. Problem. Oh, my gosh. I say as soon as I came in, I'm like, why are we singing dude songs that are bumped up like a fifth? Like, why are we doing this? And you can't songs just, are super cool. And they're cool, but can yeah. we just... And you can't just bit? invert the tenor and the bass. Okay, you can't just do it. You can't just invert Oh, it. no. <laughs> like, no matter how hard no, you try, no, no, you can't just be, be like, yeah. oh, well, like, just... Like, no. Songs are awesome. Arrangers, you are amazing. Take the chart. Think about it for a second. Yeah. You got this. Yeah, exactly. And I do believe it is also the responsibility of the quartet to... Yes. To know yourself. Know your voice. Know your limitations. Know your yeah. strengths. Yep. Definitely. You know, like, I'd love to sing that real-time song, Not a Boy, and I don't have that range. You're a so, boy, and you're not real-time. Exactly. <laughs> right. It's not necessarily a bad thing, either. Man, we're so all over the place today, but I think some really great things are coming out. So, another thing that happens in Barbershop that I don't notice as much in Contemporary Acapella, because I feel like in Contemporary Acapella, they crank out arrangements with not a lot of purpose of why we're cranking out the arrangements. It's like, somebody's going to want an arrangement of this song, and I'm going to be locked and loaded of it. Barbershop is so complex at times because of its necessity of the contest requirements, not necessarily for performance requirements because a lot is built around the contest stage or arena, that the arrangements are happening for specific groups. And if you're trying to be unique, of course, like if your lead has a six octave range, you're going to be like, let's showcase it. And that arranger is going to be like, this is the best arrangement I've ever written for that quartet. And in contemporary acapella, that does not happen nearly as much. They're marketable. What can I do that's marketable? And I really wish, because back in the 90s, that's why we were singing the men's charts, because those were the arrangers that were cranking them out. And they were cranking them out more easily attainable and accessible and, and singable by a lot of groups but they were arranged for men. We never got that kind of explosion for female barbershop as I would have loved. I feel like we've tried to just kind of play catch up or we've tried to take charts from the past and make them better. I feel remiss to say that we did not talk about what Morgan does like in her life. Like she's not just this like, I go to barbershop, you know, <laughs> that's what I do. No, she's actually quite accomplished musician as well. So Morgan, tell us a little bit about what you do. Your in real, real world. In real what life. pays the bills? What pays the bills? I am a music teacher at the elementary level. So pre-K till grade six, because we don't have middle school here in Quebec at uh, grade six ends elementary, and then you're off to high school right in grade seven. So I've been doing that for, oh my gosh, 12 years now. And I went to McGill for a voice. I got a double bachelor's in music and education. So that was the uh, the best seven years of my life. You can't see her face, guys. It was super pumped. I mean, it was good. It was just that <laughs> grueling, like, did I do that? Like, did it happen? Like, well, looking back, you're like, that was so good. But in the oh. moment, you're like, and correct me if I'm wrong, did you jump over the pond, not the pond, over the border here and do a little stint in the uh, States teaching as well? Or did you just come to school? I just went to school. I yeah. wasn't sure. Yeah, no. What I have taught here is basically HX camps. I've done, I've been clinicians for HX camps. 2011, I was a quartet section leader in 2013. And then I was a clinician again in 2017. And those are Harmony Explosion. And for those of you listening to our podcast, check them out. They're all over. They're centered around youth. And it's kind of like summer camp on steroids because it's got music. And for all of us, I didn't realize prominent acapella camps were in the contemporary world. And they are. 
There's they some are, but most happening. of them are for kids. And yeah. everyone's like, oh, I wish there was an adult summer camp. I'm like, try barbershop. You could just spend yeah. your entire summer skipping from yeah. convention so to camp like, to jamboree. Yeah. You're good. You're set. <laughs> Come to barbershop. We will find something from you from 8 to 80, even lower, even higher. Yep. Uh, that's just an average. Our average <laughs> is 8 to 80. So all of this talent, all of your expertise coming in, sticking with barbershop now for 28 years. Is that what I'm hearing? It'll be 20. I'm in my 27th. Yeah. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. So, you know, you're probably you're going to be like, what, the first Harmony Inc. member to have 90 years? Like, you really should have invested in that um, lifetime right? membership. I, don't, I, don't. I thought about that when I was 19. I'm like, this would be a good investment. I don't have that money. And now I'm like, oh, man, I'd be done paying for this thing. Yeah, I know. It would have been a good thing. I think I'm kind of, I don't know if I'm beat. I think there's some youth in there that's going to kick my butt years wise. And I'm, <laughs> real, I'm totally happy about that. You, yeah, you didn't like Gene O'Connor like join in the womb or something? Like <laughs> Katie Taylor had her membership card before she was even like conceived. I mean, it was. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. All right. So we talked a little bit about after hours, but we also did mention that you have a second Queen's Quartet. Let's talk about them. Tell us a little bit more about the second time you got your crown. So that's when I was down in Boston. I was doing my master's and I'd been, I mean, of course I knew Maria from after hours. So I was hanging out with them and hanging out in the barbershop scene down in Boston. And that was super fun. And their original tenor, Leanne, she was the original tenor of Foreign Exchange, but she decided to step down for personal reasons. And I took up the reins in January of 2011 and I was I was living there so it was actually uh, really cool like I got to do a lot of rehearsing a lot of practicing so because I gotten used to the long distance quartet because Maria moved down to the States when she got married and then Lindsay moved around a bit and Stacy moved around a bit. So we were kind of all over the place a little bit. So it was kind of nice to have a local quartet again. And that's with uh, Amanda Holloway and Ananda Landers. And we, I mean, the laughter, the, the stories, the just so many laughing, so many wonderful memories. Like I just, this quartet, I felt pushed the boundaries for me in that the type of rep repertoire we sang just really very big charts very yeah. difficult very big i mean because if you've ever heard amanda like you want to give her all of the notes another quartet that just literally flanks me like we are our championships are so close together you guys were right there right am i right so you yeah. gave me my crown right <laughs> i was like i'm right right you just were singing tenor so but yeah again huge sound so they chose charts that really focused and showcased that but with those charts comes Huge a lot responsibility. of responsibility yeah it as was a singer as a barbershopper and it, i mean i don't think everybody in that quartet had the same level of experience when it came to barbershop and it was you know you want to keep some of that rawness but you also want to rein it in probably all the time how was that like i've been in one of those quartets yeah i mean was it always super fun no i mean there's always quartet dynamics and frustration and all of that can come in because the charts that we chose were really difficult but i mean that was a part of the the chemistry of the quartet because if we chose something that was relatively easy we didn't really sing it that well it's really interesting i don't know why it's not to be conceited like we need things to do no it just it didn't fit the quartet so the tighter the harmonies or the more instrumental the the piece was 
the more we excelled at it. And I mean, and obviously we really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed our, our big fun pieces like No No Norman, still a super big favorite. And because we just have so much fun with it, it like the comedy of it was really, really great. We really liked that. Well, um, and comedy worked for you all, not only from just a musical standpoint, but there's a physical element too. I mean, Maria is like all of what, five, like maybe yeah. five foot, like with five heels. And Amanda's like without heels, almost six foot or something like she's so tall yeah yeah got this like physical comedy aspect to it as well and both of them so stunning on stage like look at me and then you you've got the bookends between you and nanda where it worked and again this is where i've was talking about your level of performance, Morgan, like it has followed you. And I make no mistake in my mind that that's what you bring a lot to the groups that you're in. You bring it to choruses that you're in. So again, I compliment you on that. And I encourage everybody to watch because it's a performance style that I've been able to see grow, but stay very true. You have not changed one bit about Morgan like it's to me there's no faking there's nothing pretentious which I think that's where as an art form barbershop is what it's really looking for it's just authenticity from each performer I'm a big goop and I want to say I think contemporary acapellas we don't want to see I mean we obviously want to see unity as a group but you can't sacrifice emotion or we want to see humans on stage we don't want to see human yeah you don't want to sacrifice (laughs) your humanity for anything I didn't pay for I didn't pay a ticket to, to see robots sing on stage. No, exactly. And then there's no way you can get any kind of emotional attachments, right? So we're there to touch people emotionally on some level, whether that be comedy, sadness, joy, torch songs, whatever the song is. Snark, you know, it can or, be, yeah. you know, little, I mean, you know, a little, you know. Everybody always asks me who my favorite BHS quartet is anytime I'm at one of the conventions. And I was like, to be honest, like Newfangled Four, like I love them. And, you know, they didn't get a gold medal, but I'm like, they got my gold metal i would be running around and someone would be like they're up next i'm like i would drop what i'm doing and i'd run to go see them for the longest time i loved this quartet called freestyle do you remember them they wore these velcro suits and they did this whole thing where they'd stick to each other and i was just astounded at how well they could sing and make me laugh to the point i was gonna pee myself and i was like they're still ringing chords like hard ones but then again i will sit and sob through a power play set and they barely move their arms so be authentic be you and if it works it works not everybody's funny no you gotta work i hate to break it to you i'm not funny i'm just awkward so i just embrace my awkwardness the straight person (laughs) because for someone who's a goof like me i need someone who's going to play the straight and usually that's maria so it's fabulous because then she'll just shut me down and that's what makes it funny you know like no no a little less of morgan a little less please to introduce morgan to my husband charlie because he plays that role in all of our groups where the rest of us are like tone it down a little bit charlie but then when he's like not on there we're like what why aren't you being goofy like why are you being normal like this doesn't work we're looking at hopefully being all back together in 2022. What's next for Morgan? Well, I started a, a new quartet with Katie Taylor, Lynn Blinkley, and Jesse Jones, May of 2019. And then the world caught it, you know? And so- And that, then you can't even cross the border and they can't come to you either. Even yet, if you're all vaccinated. I know. The border is closed until the 21st of July. I'm really hoping it's going to open up after that. That would be very nice because then during my summer holidays, which last until the end of August, I would be able to go see them. I just um, hope you can get 
back in. I just hope they're not like going to play a mean trick on you and like let you come over here. And then they're like, can't come no, back. We're they stuck even, with those silly Americans. You guys, I love you guys. So it's well, all- we love you. you <laughs> we'll can, keep you. I mean, we'll it's okay. You. Totally. I'm, I'm all for <laughs> it's it. Probably safer there. But no, I mean, actually, we just had uh, a nice little announcement from our prime minister. He said that after today, after July 5th, Canadians who are traveling do not, if they've been fully vaccinated, both doses, and of course you'd have to prove it, you don't have to quarantine. Uh, you don't have to quarantine so the 14 days. So that's really encouraging. All of this we, just makes it real that we actually are going to have conventions again We have no idea what that means, though. Do you guys, We haven't been forced to quarantine. We haven't been forced to do any of that. Like, we haven't been for Americans, just suck it up. Like, you've had it really, really easy. Like, every Canadian I have talked to has been like, oh I can't my go gosh, out in my backyard. I can't, I can't go to the grocery <laughs> store i can't or, what was it pat silver said i can't buy socks i can't yeah. go to the grocery store and pick up socks like i can go to the grocery store but i can get food i just can't go over there and buy socks they're for That's sale right. right there but i can't buy them yep it's really it was all it was just essentially they were very very strict and somebody else was like i am at my home that's where i am i am in my house yep and this I'm is like, why i have animals i i think mm-hmm. I would, yeah. you all are missing out on morgan's beautiful cats so you've got this quartet you guys are gonna just hopefully move on any chorusing going on for you right now how's that been i was the director of montreal city voices for five years and as you grow as you evolve and time passes on you start to realize that you really miss the singing and i needed to be true to myself and i needed to find myself a chorus to sing in and i am a current member of northern blend chorus and uh we competed that's right i forgot about that announcement and i was too so shabby. excited you None know so of a chorus to say you know can oh, northern blend pack in any more talent or i mean where do you fit do they just like shove you in through the window they or can. they can <laughs> shove me anywhere they want i'm just happy to be there so i feel so privileged to be a part of that group it's a joy just to stand on the risers and sing and you know let's talk about a little bit of the joy and the privilege of the quarantine and that matter is that everybody's been online so you've actually probably gotten a little more FaceTime with your chorus than you might have in person because that's a long trip for you. You have to be very strategic about when you can come down. Just so you all know, the chorus meets in New York, Watertown, New York, which yes, is close to the border. But still, how far of a drive is that, Morgan? Oh, that's a good three hours. Yeah. So she has to be strategic. Like I drive an hour to an hour and a half to rehearsal, but you're like literally crossing an international border now. That's commitment. Yeah, it is. And you know what? They make it worth it for me because all I have to do is just show up and be on the risers. And the fact that we have been doing the Zoom has been great because I get to know the members a little bit more, which is kind of nice. I have much better attendance, so I get to be there every week. Um, But even more like inspiration to get there you know what i mean because you've now connected with these people i've also encouraged at least friends of mine that are directors i've been directing a men's chorus during this entire quarantine and i'm stepping down in august as their director but for family stresses and reasons and just the schedule coming out of quarantine has shown me that oh gosh family's gonna i didn't realize i was gonna have my schedule and two other little human beings schedules blow up all at the same time so i had to make some choices but i've been encouraging them to keep the Zoom going because there are going to be people in your chorus that for different reasons throughout their lives might need a little quarantine at other points in their life. And maybe we've learned a new skill, a new way to bring the music to people. And our art form does reach a generation, at least in Barbershop, that is older. It reaches an age level of singer that might need to be home sometimes. And if we can reach them in an electronic way, why, why not? not? 
Yep. Yep. Exactly. It's free advertisement. You're getting your art form out there. Maybe it takes a little extra push of a button or one person to help run the Zoom, but it didn't really stress me out. So I hope they keep it up. Yeah, no, for sure. I was the interim director for Island City Chorus just this past year as well. Uh, that's a men's chorus. And it was the same thing, just trying to keep everybody's spirits up and just having the, that contact saying, oh, how are you doing? You know, just keeping that once a week thing going on. Right now they're on a holiday break. And I did tell them that my priority is Northern Blend. So that's why I maintained an interim director status. I do want to say that directing Montreal City Voices was an extreme privilege because as the chorus basically raised me other than my parents. And so for me to step off the risers and wave my hands and have these women look up to me or follow me and share in the journey of my learning as an educator and a musician, I will be forever grateful. So, so yeah, it's It's just pretty awe-inspiring as a director. Like it really makes you stop and like takes your breath away. You know, it really does. I recommend that for any young aspiring musician who was either go into education or performance or whatever, take on that leadership role of a directorship because it is the fastest way to learn about how to manage, how to, and I don't want to say deal because that usually has a negative connotation, but how to manage and interact with your peers in a positive yeah. way. Well, you think about communication and relationships, and we talk all the time about how when you join any group, whether it be a band, a choir, and anything, a dance troupe, a sports team, it's more than just a job. Even when you're being paid on this show, we talk to professional musicians, we talk to a lot of hobbyists and a lot of crossover who are being paid, let's be honest, the hobby is what keeps them coming back. Do it and managing. It's like we talk about it being in relationships and how we have to communicate. These jobs are more than jobs. These positions are more than hobbies. Even when you're joining a group and paying a membership, it's a level of relationship. And there is that level of communication. In some ways, I think we have to teach that almost as a director. We have to model the communication or teach what we expect or help be the bridge because I mean, just in my own family, I have to translate from my daughter to my husband. Can you imagine when you put 50 strangers in a room where like, let's sing together, let's get all emotional and have opinions and like not learn how to talk to each other? Well, because everybody has different learning mechanisms. Everyone learns differently. I mean, even from an outsider point of view, when you see a chorus, you know if that director has been successful with that or not. You can tell. You don't have to talk to the chorus. You just watch them on stage and you know. And that's not to knock choruses that don't, but that's, in my opinion, maybe an encouragement to say, if you feel like you're hitting a wall, if you feel like you've plateaued with your group, maybe look a little outside the music, you know, maybe look at how are decisions being made? How are you communicating? How much are you communicating? Is it too much? Is it not enough? Are you making all the decisions on your own? Is a team making all the decisions? Is there any anxiety around things? You know, have things changed for anybody? So, I mean, I just think there is a level of communication that I think, and I really wanted to talk about this tonight, and I don't know if it'll make it into the show, but I'm being a female director and as well for a group of men, or the flip side, a male director for a group of women, I find myself as the female director not crossing that bridge of member like you were talking about with Linda. 
right, Jane's before, you know, when she was in the chorus and you had that kind of, she gets to be the kind of member that's like, I don't know. And then she gets out. Yeah. And he's out there directing and making decisions and like holding it like glue that works. But when that's not there, when there's not that bridge, it's really difficult. And I'm finding it almost impossible to break that barrier. And I'm really curious, especially Amanda, who's studying psychology. Are you studying psychology right now? Is that like specifically what you're studying? But I, I, there are, yeah. there's a psychological but component. Yeah, too. I'm really, I'm curious. Give me your thoughts on that because I definitely struggle. I don't struggle in mixed groups and I don't struggle in all female groups for me. And this is me, someone who identifies female, but I don't know. So we're going to have like a little Freud session right now. <laughs> What's wrong with me? No, we see it with a lot of female groups. We're afraid to tell each other things. We want to be friends. And unless the creative criticism, constructive feedback boundary is set and it is understood by all members that, okay, I'm telling you this, I'm telling you you did this wrong, but this does not mean that you're a bad person. And I think we see that uh, female directors are afraid to push those buttons because they want people to like them more so than in any other situation. When you're, we've got a female director in front of a group of women that I really want everybody to like me. We're all friends here sometimes can stand in the way of honesty a little bit. Yeah. And female barbershop, I think feels this way a little bit. I don't know. But there's a fraternity aspect of the men's barbershop that exists very deeply. And so as a female director, I'm like, I just don't feel like I can be in the fraternity. I see you asking me to come over, but I just don't feel like I can. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like I can be buddy, buddy, chum, chum. It's really been difficult for me. But on the flip side, I adored having a male director. But I definitely needed the inner female leaders within the group to keep that going and to keep that tie there. I don't know if that hadn't been there, if that relationship could have been as strong. Right. Something to think about. I know when I was directing the men, I used comedy so much just to really hit it home that I'm here as a guide and a teacher. But really, the reason why I'm here is because you want me here. You want me to teach you, you want me to lead you, you want this as a unit. So I'm going to give you those tools. And if you take those tools, great. If you don't, you got to look yourself in the mirror and there's that accountability that has to happen. And I, I feel like that's easier, at least when, when you have the sexes that are mixed. I feel like that's easier to convey. I think I've had more conflict with women than I've had with men. And I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I would say that. And I would think, and so as you were saying that, I went, oh man, I bet it's me thinking that they're uncomfortable with me leading them because something has told me that I should be uncomfortable with myself yeah, the, leading them when in all honesty the they, they, you're exactly right yeah. they especially as a director they chose you to be there that's what it is and then one day I'm going to cure imposter syndrome and that will be my legacy to the planet please. that's my goal in life so, so there it is the almost it. second year grad student I'm totally going to change the world so many things are within our own mind and we're just projecting I have to an instant reaction or negative positive that I have, I I have to stop myself now and go, is that because of what I already think? Or is that because of what somebody has said? Because... And dude, I can develop really complex stories and explanations and I can like have alibis for all of my excuses. And 
I just wonder sometimes what's going on. Your mind is a and, thing. And from a perspective, since that's the name of our podcast, it really does seem to, I hear a lot of males talk about having imposter syndrome as well. It just manifests in a different way. You know, ours manifests, I think, a little more mentally and maybe theirs manifests mentally, but it's just a way that that's not how I communicate. So it's, you know, we can't like get mad at somebody for not understanding our imposter syndrome. It's like, you don't understand my, you know, as we're talking about imposter syndrome and capabilities and like doubting oneself. And I'm sitting in the presence of two two time queens. Pretty sure y'all have the talent to do what you're doing. It just means we're human. Right. And see, ladies and anyone out there that is reaching for something, it doesn't go away. You just have to fight through it. You just have to push through it and stop telling yourself lies. Really, that's what it is. And you change, I think, is another really important thing to remember. You change. (laughs) And so you have to like adjust your expectations as you get a little bit older, like or as you change, you have to adjust your expectations. You can't keep the same expectations and then change and expect the same result. And I just I I am myself a victim of doing that. I'm like, but I said I was going to do this. It's like, but I changed. It's okay. Well, Morgan, thank you so much. This has been wow. We just went through a roller coaster of topics, but I love it. And it's so nice to see your face since we haven't seen you in almost two years now. But we are looking forward to seeing you in where are we going? New York. We'll see you in, and we'll probably see you in Area Three now too, yeah. since you're yeah. in the Area Three chorus. This is exciting. So we'll see you in the spring. But thank you so much, Morgan, for joining us on today's podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Chris, Amanda. I love what you're doing here. It's such important work. Thank you. You're welcome. And we'll see you all next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday.